The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining today is Karen Finney, CNN commentator, and also my former colleague from the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016. I'm so grateful uh, to have her here and that, to hear her voice and that she's safe. Good morning, Karen. How are you? Good morning, Zerlina. I'm great. It's so great to talk to you. Um, it's such a, I mean, I feel like I haven't talked to you in, in a lot of things <laughs> have happened in between. Um, I mean, I, I, I definitely saw you a lot during the Trump era, but I, de- yeah. I don't think during COVID, um, which is true of most people. I haven't seen most people um, during COVID. So it's been, a lot has transpired. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm so grateful to talk to you and um, to hear your voice and to know you're safe. Um we're going to talk about black voters, but before we sort of dive into that big topic, we were talking about January 6th, and wow. we were talking to Danny Savalos, who was doing the legal analysis, and I was sort of, um, you know, talking to callers who were expressing either frustration or optimism about the state of things as we go into the hearings tonight, and I just keep thinking about how everybody keeps telling us we need some new bombshell. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, if there isn't some new bombshell that just stops the presses like you know as if we are pressing like it still stops the presses you know tonight and it gets <laughs> right. everybody to turn off real housewives you know it will be a failure what do you think uh going into the i mean i feel like what we know already is pretty bombshell i think right. they can just put it together in a nice package that you know is digestible oh. i think there's a i'm so glad you asked that there's a couple of things on that I, I agree with you. I mean, there's a lot that we already know that's bombshell. I mean, just look at any image from that day. That's that that's the bombshell, frankly, and that that is seared into my mind forever. I but here's what I think the hearings are they're gonna try to do and what they need to do. Folks like us, we're cover, we follow it pretty closely. Yep. A lot of Americans, you know, there are lots of different pieces. And so I think one of the most important things that they're going to begin to do tonight is to lay out for the American people the evidence that shows that this was a multifaceted conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 election that actually started long before January 6th. Mm-hmm. And that it was a brazen attempt to, you know, stay in power as we know, um, but that there were lots of different parts to it. And again, so I think getting people to understand that the timeline was a lot longer mm-hmm. than than folks may have thought. The various offshoots in terms of, you know, following the money. Where was the mm-hmm. money come from? Right. How, who paid for the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers to? be so well organized and be there that day. Um, and, and also I think too, I think the other really important thing that we'll come to understand, we'll know more about members of Congress, current sitting members of Congress 
who participated and who said one thing privately and another thing publicly, which I think is critically important to, again, we're coming up on an election where it's important to say, who are you going to trust? The people who won't tell you the truth or the, you know, or the people who are trying to fight to expand healthcare. Um, the other thing that I think Serena, is so critical that we're going to learn, and it's going to be, I think, quite terrifying. And that is for folks who have been following, I mean, look at what's been happening in our, in the primaries. And I know we're going to mm -hmm. talk about black workers in this race, but in, in so many of the primaries, what we've seen on the Republican side are candidates who are perpetrators and peddlers of the big lie, people who were part of the Stop the Steal movement, who are either candidates running for office and not just in federal seats. I mean, obviously we've got people running for governor, we've got House candidates, Senate candidates, but also folks running for state legislative races, secretary of state races. And we just learned from a political story the other day, there's now a whole effort to get a lot of the number of these people are focused on Michigan, getting these peddlers of the big lie into positions working as, as poll workers in places like Detroit. Right. So I say that to say it, the threat to our democracy didn't also just didn't stop on January 6th. Right. It is still there. It is still ongoing. They are still out there. Um, and think about what would happen if you have people who don't believe that the 2020 election was legitimate in positions to control the next election. Right. So the bombshell is going to be, you know, there'll be a report. It's not going to be, and this is one of the reasons I just hate the comparisons to Watergate. Mm -hmm. We're not going to see, you know, Trump going off <laughs> in disgrace or, no, we're going to see a report. The Justice Department will also have to decide how they proceed. But we're going to learn more about what's going on right now and what we as Americans can do about it. So that's what I think we have to, to focus on. And I think that connecting of the dots for people mm -hmm. is really critical. Oh, yeah. I, Danny Savala sort of painted, painted it, the picture this way. It's like a puzzle. They're filling in the, the picture for us and connecting the dots, like you said. And I think, you know, what we know is pretty bad. I mean, I even sort of highlighted the specific example of, you know, there's pretty clear evidence at this point, And I'm sure we're going to hear more from Mark Short, who worked for the vice president, also yeah. um, one of the other staffers for the vice president expected to testify at these hearings. Yeah. We know they spoke to the committee about the fact that the president was aware that the, pre the vice president was in danger. And I want to know what he did about it or didn't do about it. And I think we sort of those specific little nuggets, like any one of those things can develop into a bombshell. <laughs> um, but I think that detail is like, that's a smaller specific um, storyline within the larger picture, right? That's, that's one of the dots, but it's like a really big dot. It's like a, you know, if you're looking at the sky and the stars and it's like the one that starts like flashing, like, like it's, it, it, it's um, a shooting star because I feel like, you know, the president finding out the vice president was running for his life. And then he was like, so those are my people. He didn't do what he wanted to do. He, he didn't, you know, uh, certify the election. Yeah. He didn't, he wasn't loyal. Um, well, if we have reporting that the president said anything like that, I think that could be quite, quite significant. Well, especially, again, to remind people, we're talking about a conspiracy to overturn the election. 
we're talking about blocking the peaceful transfer of power in a democracy, which is, this is one of the great hallmarks of American democracy, of everything, the things that we believe about our country, as, you know, we're not perfect, but, you know, I mean, this was a, an attempt to hold on to power at all costs. That is a threat to all of us. And so to your point about the vice president, that's the lengths to which they were willing to go. And that's terrifying because if they're willing to do that, then what else are they willing to do? And again, I think the, to my mind, what I hope people come away from is understanding each one of us has to, we have to vote. We have to, you know, I know we're all tired. You know, we were talking about COVID. We've got, we're, you know, a lot of pressures of daily life, but we've got to stay engaged when it comes to voting and, and our democracy, because they are literally still trying to steal it in front of our, our very eyes. And it's an attack on our vote. It's a way to silence our voices. I mean, this is a country where voters pick our leaders. Leaders don't get to pick their vote. Right, right. You know, we're not going to let them do that. So... I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I've been talking about it all week. We were talking, obviously, about this, you know, the series of gun massacres we've all been processing um, throughout the past couple of weeks. And one of the things I've sort of landed on is the fact that, you know, like, I I no longer engage in the conversation, like, will this time be different? I, I, I don't think that that's the question. The question is, will you vote for someone different in Texas? That's right. Will you vote for someone different um, in, 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 in the cases of these Republican senators who are the only reason why nothing is happening on the issue of guns? If, if you vote on one issue and it's guns and you want something done on guns, then you have to vote against Ted Cruz. And, and that is that's the formula. I mean, is this time yeah. different? I don't know. Is, is it going is it going to change your vote the next election? <laughs> um, so I feel like in a lot of ways. You know, we sort of talk ourselves in circles and nothing happens when we could just pierce through that and be like, look, the makeup of the Congress is what it is. They do not have a political incentive. Molly Jong Fast made this point the other day, and I just keep going back to it. The Republicans don't have a political incentive to do anything on gun safety reform because they're financed and their voters, um, you know, don't want them to do anything. So they won't. (laughs) They don't have any incentive to do anything. And no amount of dead children will change their minds. They've demonstrated that through their actions. So it's not, you know, even speculation at this point. So if you want a different outcome, you need to vote for right. a different senator. That's just, that's, right. that's the size of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree com- you know, completely. And look, this is why black voters are, we know are so critical in this election because we, I mean, you know, Zerlina, I always like to point to, look at what happened in Georgia. In Georgia, I mean, in 2020, we all turned out in record numbers in a pandemic. We did something amazing. In Georgia, they, you know, turned, they, you know, Joe Biden won the state. We had a phenomenal turnout in the general. And then in the special election, I mean, and I say this because I want people to understand the power of their vote. I worked on that Georgia special election. We were able to turn out more people and particularly well, infrequent black voters, people who don't, some who hadn't voted in the election in November even. And that's how we got Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. And I always say, but you did that. Voters did that. 
And that was the difference between getting a COVID recovery package and not. And, and voting, and it's the equation, you're exactly right. This is why we need more Democrats in the Senate, because that is how, I mean, the House just passed gun reforms. But, our, but what did they say? They said it's not going to pass in the Senate. We need more Democrats in the Senate. And we as Black voters can, and women, let's say mm -hmm. it, we can be that difference. And look at states like Pennsylvania. Look at states like North Carolina. I mean, we've got some critical opportunities here where we could really, we can win these states and have the kind of majority where we where we can say we're going to get something different when it comes to gun reforms. Where and in addition, when we talk about you know protecting the Affordable Care Act and expanding it, when we talk about I mean, look at what was you know the the infrastructure bill and mm -hmm. being able to deal with childcare costs and senior care costs. I mean, there are a number of parts of what we all voted for that are yet to be. You know, they've, I think Democrats have tried to keep their, their promises, but we don't have the numbers that we need. Right. I mean, that's just math. And so that's part of why these races are so important. And I, I think it's smart of you to make it clear to your audience that that's literally what we're talking about. If you want something different to happen, you got to vote different. Right. And, and maybe, maybe you haven't voted before. Right, right. You got to do it because, and again, I, like I say, I use the Georgia example because I want people to know, look at what happens when we show up. Yep. We literally changed the Senate. It literally meant the difference. It also meant that we got Katanji Brown Jackson. Right. Um, so I just think that's so critical that we talk about that and we remind that because I think it's easy to think our votes don't matter. And when we talk about reproductive freedom, when we talk about gun safety, when we talk about, you know, helping the middle class, when we talk about, you know, so many of the things that we all have, you know, we, we voted for, we believe in protecting our kids, keeping our communities safe, criminal justice reform, we've got to elect more Democrats. I mean, I think it's such an important point about when, when, you know, folks who don't normally turn out and engage do vote that things do change. Like the idea that nothing can change. Georgia is the perfect, and uh, you know, is the perfect example that that's not true. <laughs> if you if you if you turn out, um, Raphael Warnock becomes a senator. John Ossoff becomes a senator, and and I think you know one of the things I I also um, think a lot about when it comes to black voters and i also you know this happened a lot during the obama administration i remember having so many conversations with people throughout those eight years about you know how obama should do more like i remember one person um i will never forget this uh said to me well you know obama didn't change anything in my neighborhood and i was like well who is your mayor because you should know the name of your mayor and you, you know that who is the speaker of your city council um because those people are going to impact what's happening on the ground in your community more than President Obama, but that doesn't mean that President Obama being there is somehow a bad thing because now you at least have a receptive ear when you go and you lobby for changes on a lot of these issues that we care about. I was like, you know, when you go and you talk about police reform with President Obama, you don't have to convince him that, you know, police have a history of discriminating and, you know, brutalizing black and brown communities. 
He already right. knows that. <laughs> so he's just like, what, what is, what's your plan, right? You skip over the like, this is a problem. <laughs> you, you already have right. somebody who's on, on the, pay, the same page with you. And that is a big deal. And so I think, you know, as we look forward and there's been a lot of reporting in the last week about how black voters are feeling about the Biden administration. And I'm sure frustrated because the filibuster prevents a lot of things from actually being able to be accomplished. But in terms yeah. of what has been accomplished, just lay out, you know, some of the things that the Biden administration was able to do. I mean, I would say vaccines <laughs> would be my sure. number one. <laughs> like he saved a lot of black people's lives. Um, yes. but, but other than that, in terms of accomplishments, you know, how should black voters, in your view, look at the Biden administration and what they've been able to accomplish? Sure. So, I mean, a number of things. I mean, look, in terms of legislation, the American Rescue Plan, which got vaccines into our communities across the country, I mean, really made got a plan together and put in the resources and then also got help to our communities through the rescue plan. I mean, remember, you know, people were falling off the cliff right. like day by day by day. Yep. I know times are still hard. I'm not trying to, I don't want to diminish that because inflation is real. Um, but he's got a plan on that. And, you know, you said something that I think is really important, which is we've also got to ask ourselves, well, what's their plan, right? Yeah. Because that's also why, you know, it matters who's in office and who's elected. So, you know, yes, I would say American Rescue Plan and vaccines, first and foremost, we, it got businesses reopened. We got kids back into school. We, you know, we are finding our way through this in a way that we just were not before. Um, the infrastructure package, I think, is critical. And it's something where, you know, as that money is going out the door to uh, across the country, you know, people will see those dollars being, you know, spent in their communities, whether it's bridges and roads and transportation. It may not be immediate, but it's been long needed and it's going to make a huge difference. I would say the other thing, let's think about like just last week, I mean, the president has been trying to do as much as he can also by executive order where he can't get where it can't happen because we don't have the votes in Congress. And I have to tell you, I always say when people say, oh, well, you know, Joe Biden couldn't get, you know, all the Democrats in Congress. Well, the Republicans have responsibility too. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you can't when when you can't get ten Republicans willing to do the right thing, boy, that tells you what you're up what he what what we're up against. But so look at the things that the president has also been able to do, like some reforms on criminal justice reform via uh, executive order. Um, and I think we have to remember that I mean he's been the one working to expand the Affordable Care Act. He's fighting to lower prescription drug costs. At least, like for example, they want to cap the cost of insulin. Those are the kinds of things they're still negotiating. They're still trying to get done. Um, I think you know, also just the things that he has done to undo the damage that because that's the other thing we forget is that there was so much damage done by Trump. They got in there and had to undo. When you talk about climate change, or talk about environmental justice. We had to undo to then start to, you know, rebuild and reinvest in a number of those those programs. Um, 
So I think that's the other way we have to be looking at it. Um, look at what, you know, in terms of for women, we had the first ever, thanks to the vice president, um, you know, talking about the country had a national conversation about black maternal mortality. Right. And that is the, and the awareness of that and the, and resources actually going into that, into fighting into states and municipalities who are trying to address black maternal mortality, making those investments. They also invested in things like um, making sure that as we have more, as we look at things like this pandemic, how do we ensure that we are doing so in a manner that addresses racial disparities? Yeah. Both in healthcare, but also in how we address pandemics. That was another thing that actually was something the vice president had worked on in Congress that, yep. that you know, they were able to do uh, by presidential, by executive order. Um, so just the, you know, there's a lot that they are, are trying to just bringing more, my gosh, I mean, remember the chaos that we were under. I know that's the thing I think people ago. forget, right? I mean, you live through the Bush right, administration yeah. and then you get to Obama and you're like, ah, he's not doing enough. I was like, did you live through the Bush administration? Then you get through the right. Trump administration that ends, we get Biden and people are like, he's not doing enough. I'm like, did you live through the last four years? Were you aware? Were you like conscious <laughs> at all for the yeah. chaos that we lived through and the, you know, raised cortisol levels and high blood pressure that we all experienced during Donald Trump's one term as president i mean it's just wild karen finney we are unfortunately out of time but i would love to have you back um whenever you're available to talk about the midterm elections it was great to have you on cnn commentator former colleague on hillary's campaign with me it was great to have you please stay safe thanks you, you too zerlina take care Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.